What's going on, crew? Welcome to Cross Platform, where esports, entertainment, and business connect. So incredibly excited that you guys have decided to join us on this journey. We are going to be having tons of fun guests, tons of fun interaction, talking about some of the more exciting industries on the planet. Again, thank you so much for joining us on Cross Platform. Let's get into it. Internet. We're live. Okay, there's wow. like, now there's a counter, which is terrifying, isn't it? <laughs> Christy, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Uh, yeah. I need coffee this morning. Not a lot of we've sleep. Got our, we've got our first cup of coffee. <laughs> Where are you sitting on over there? Yeah, uh, it's, it's an Americano, but I to know me is to know that I can't handle a Starbucks order. Like, I think I know what I want, but then they ask me and then I have like a panic attack and then I just order something that's easy because I don't want to stress them out. You know, I get that feeling too. Like there's, there's like a long line. People have their orders memorized. I'm just typically like a black coffee person. So yep. it's like, just whatever you got back there, I'll take it. Just don't be passionate coffee drinkers behind me. Just, I don't want them to hurt me. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to see if I can actually like share this. We're trying to figure out how this works on LinkedIn. So I'm going to yeah. do that. It's See if you can share that link while we have people coming in here. You're up to 11 quick. So people are excited to hear from you. I don't think they're excited to hear from you. I'm going to, I'm going to, now I'm going to close this one. There we go. We're good now. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, well, first I want to open with a thank you. And we're like, our friendship's only going to last for like 45 minutes because you beat the Browns yesterday. <laughs> super, sorry, on Sunday, which is super helpful for my Ravens, but the Ravens are headed to Seattle next week. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you knew. And then, then we're not friends anymore. But it's, yeah. Yeah. So right when this ends, it's over. So, so you know. I, I would tell you a story about the day that I was proposed to you, and it's the game we shall not speak of. And it was during halftime, and I was so confident that we were going to win, or it was going to be such a great game that I was going to be that bigger, better person who was like, you know what, we both played really well. Like and going into our first time meeting. I didn't know it was going to end like that. And then my whole world came crashing down. You're like, do I take back this proposal? <laughs> well, when we our first time that we ever met in person, I think that was the moment when I mentally quoted Step Brothers. I was yeah. like, are we, do we just become best friends? Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, that's it, that really gets to the nature of why I love doing what I do, right? Like, if you're not all passion, uh, football is that, esports is that, um, you know, all comes back at center. But that's also why we're friends now. And exactly. maybe it ends abruptly very soon, but we had a good run. Uh, we did. We had a good run. <laughs> so with that, everyone, I'd love you to meet Christy St. Martin. We have, we are a relationship born from LinkedIn. You know, it starts with a couple likes, a couple shares, a couple comments, and I'm like, you know, little do I know I'm learning more and more from you and the content you're posting. Like, I don't know, for the last however long you've been on LinkedIn, however long we've been connected. And finally, we got the chance to meet at ESL1. And off to the races since then. We have cool projects that we're working on on the side. But why don't you take this opportunity? Because, like, if I try and do your resume, I'm going to butcher it. And oh, honestly, I want everyone in the crowd to put your timers on because I bet this resume takes a while because you do so much stuff. No, I don't. Introduce yourself. This is going to be the hardest part of our conversation because if you want me to talk about people and things that I love, like, easily, talking about myself is really hard. Um, but I will I will try to explain uh, how I got to where I am. Um, <laughs> so first of all, I would tell you that guidance counselors are terrible. 
uh, when I was in school. So they didn't tell me what to do. I went to school for programming, even though they told me to go into sociology. They were like, don't do that. But I'm like, but I like science and math. They're like, but you like people and fixing things. And I was like, those things are accurate, but I don't want to be. I'm such a fixer that if I would have gone into sociology uh, or even just be a teacher, I'm afraid that I would have like kidnapped all the kids that were hurt and left to take care of them. That's no way to live your life. So I went to university for um, programming and then realized that I wanted, I'm competitive. So I didn't think I was the best in that. And no one told me like, you have leadership abilities and the ability to lead, you know, teams of people uh, and you like being social. No one told me that was something that could have evolved into something else. Uh, so I switched gear and I took women's studies of all things in history because I loved history. But women's studies, I found out very quickly that I could write essays about cyberpunk culture and gaming communities. So I got to do that. And I was like, this is work. I get a degree for this. Amazing. <laughs> um, but during that time I was working, um, I had to work full time uh, flex hours to pay for school. Uh, mostly because my my dad, not because he couldn't pay for it, because he's like life lessons. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> with that, I had uh, did a website, a blog, when no one really knew what a blog was, and um, don't ever type it into a Wayback Machine. But it was like sweet sprinkled out uh, originally, and then it turned to all things Christy, which had nothing to do with me. But um, it was back when the internet wasn't crazy oversaturated, so I was writing about everything, but programming, uh, gaming. Um, random pop culture stuff and it became really popular. But I'm a community person. So as part of like the early days of, you know, IRC, I would spend all my time on in uh, high school. And I would like, I was that person who sells um, like hackers out of my backpack, like the, I would burn it. And back when it took forever, <laughs> I would sell that at school. So uh, I lived in these online communities. So like FARC.com was a huge one. I was a goon for something awful. Um, and these are my places, which now I guess is like the evolution of Twitch, right? Um, right. We exist in these spaces and I deeply understand the progression of how we got to here. Uh, and that's fascinating. But this blog actually put me into that whole space. I didn't know that content marketing was a thing. And then I was able to get a job working for Viacom for a show called Best Week Ever, where I basically recreated what I did personally uh, for them first uh, for that. And then that brought me to uh, Los Angeles Times. They gave me two uh, blogs that I was working for. One was just mine, which is like Funny Pages 2.0. Again, the all things Christie thing that had nothing to do with me. Um, same deal. And the other one was, um, oh my goodness, uh, totally blanking. But it was all sci-fi nerdy game blog. It was super fun. Um, so yeah, that okay. and then all of a sudden social media is a thing. And there's jobs there. And I remember, by the way, moving to New York and my dad, the very responsible accountant background guy. And I'm like, I'm moving to New York. I'm a blogger. And he's like, you do not move to New York. That is a terrible decision. I didn't know it was going to turn into a whole career thing. I was just trying to follow passions and what I love doing. Um, but that brought me to work eventually into the agency side uh, with brands that I had probably no business doing at the time, like JP Morgan Chase and L'Oreal. But I learned brand importance and protection and kind of the risk that they put out there at very early days when a company like that probably has no business being online because it has to go through this whole lawyer mess of like someone asked for where a bank is uh, in Florida and it takes us four hours to be like, to formulate a response that's acceptable <laughs> to tell them where to go. It's like pointless. Uh, but I was there for that whole progression. Uh, and yeah, and now I've been working in experiential marketing um, and I'll get into that, I guess, in a bit, but the gaming side of it. So during university, um, I was already a 
EverQuest loving, um, you know, missed playing way back in the day uh, nerd. But when I went to university, there was that sad day where like there's no internet in your room. Mm -hmm. And I had just lost a whole level in EverQuest and had like an actual panic attack. <laughs> so I was like, well, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't want to people right now. I love people, but I don't want people right now. Why is the internet not working? Uh, and I found a land cafe and everybody was either playing Diablo, Counter-Strike, um, what else was there? Hmm, Starcraft. Uh, and I play Counter-Strike with everyone. And 18 hours a day later, making friends with the land cafe owners, it would shut. I'd stay there till 6 a.m. in the morning, go for dim sum. And that kind of brought me into that whole space from competitive gaming. Um, and it's still like my favorite community, not to upset anyone, but it is still one of my favorite things. I just can't play it because I would turn into a crazy person. <laughs> yeah. So to, Anyways. So to summarize, I'd like to say like, OG. Sorry. No. OG, I, uh, right. I guess a little bit. <laughs> um, but I think, I think it's, you know, it's, I like where we've come from there. Uh, I also deeply believe that the gaming community space was always pretty inclusive. Sure. Um, I, my people, you know, again, not to bring up Lionel, didn't give him crap, my dad. Um, he is the kind of person that like, it was a different time, right? It was like, get off, get out of the basement and come back up here and hang out with your family or go outside. And he didn't understand that it was my community of people. Like these were my friends and they mattered just as much, yeah. not more to me mm -hmm. um, than my people that lived in my general area. So, um, you know, EVE Online was a huge community uh, for me and also kind of where I stepped out of wanting to be the person who was speaking about the thing and more behind the curtain and creating magic for other people. But before we go into what what I want to be our first thing we touched on, but regarding that and communities and, and things that you've been a part of and been so passionate about and you've built your career on, where do you in 2019 and October 15, where do you think we are today? Like, do you, how, how far do you think that, you know, those communities, that industry, like, you know, how far are we from the last dads of the planet being like, get out of the basement, you know, get off the computer, things like that. Are we, are we close or are we, we still Yeah, I think we are. And I don't think, it, I think obviously the amplification of, uh, you know, a 16 year old winning $3 million helps. Um, but I don't think it's about that. I think it's the fact that we're becoming parents who then are raising kids with a different whole set and eventually you know that's progressing as well um but i don't think my dad was wrong trying to get me to go outside i think balance is super important um, sure. but yeah i think we think we're mostly through that um one of the the things that drives me crazy about this industry though is uh when you go to a lot of conferences that argument of what is gaming streaming versus esports right and i think that gaming in general and the amplification of streamers helps the whole esports community in a way that we need to just like simmer down on the need to like tell people what is esports and what is gaming. Mm -hmm. uh, it's benefiting the whole society and it's definitely improving the relationships we're having in brand conversations, right? Um, sure. The more we make it accessible and it's easy to understand, the better we're going to have uh, supporting, you know, the ESLs <laughs> and teams as well. Well, and, and I know the first two things we want to talk about time, but you know, actually I got a call out on Twitter last night. I said, you know, if um, I said a Fortnite, like if a Fortnite stunt doesn't have you, you know, ready to pursue a, a career in esports, you know, God help you. Yeah. But uh, you know, but I got caught. I was like, you know, this is 
change esports with gaming, this is just as big of a moment for gaming as it is for esports. And you know, I still struggle as someone as you know, I, I came from the NFL and, and there's there's certain languages that that still like I need to learn and need to be sensitive to. And and I and I know that you know you're all about let's include everything. Let's build this industry as a whole. Let, let's get over that that type of stuff. I, I guess I'm right. No, so this is this is definitely like when we were coming going through the topics of potential things to talk about. Um, is my frustrations with esports conferences in general. Like we're getting so much better, and that's exciting. And I mean, fault with me as well. Um, you can get really caught up in the acronyms. And I think you don't want to talk over people. You want to be inclusive. And it's still very much a piece that requires education. And when you can come up, gamers, by the way, I don't know if you figured this out yet, we're super opinionated. And we love kind of being like the most opinionated person in the room and pointing out all the failures in the thing. Um, we can all love the same game and then disagree on every single reason why it's great. Um, and I love that about our community, but I think from an esports gaming perspective, and we need to be better at making it inclusive in the space. And I wouldn't want to point anything out and I'd call anyone out in particular, but I would say that like we need to be better at keynotes and having these panels where we don't talk over people. Sure. We, we get into the meat of what matters. Um, I've seen the fireside chats are amazing. That's one mm -hmm. of the best things I think I started to see at conferences because it's it's a great opportunity to see the wins from like the team's perspective. There was one at Miami Esports Bar I loved. Um, it was Dignitas and Pepsi doing one on, and it was it was really cool to talk about the nature of their partnership, where it's going, where they hope it goes in the future without giving too much away. And I think that stuff is super impactful because no matter what brand I am, I can see how I fit into that. Sure. I'm not even close to Pepsi, but I'm like, I'm starting to get it. And you don't want to pull out a bunch of Overwatch acronyms or anything else because you just get to what it is and why you think it's a really great fit. Sure. Well, and when diving right into these these events and experiential marketing and, and, and our, our first topic, um, whether you know it or not, I don't know if I ever told you, but my so I was introduced to the esports industry as a potential career back in 2016. A, a mentor of mine was a very early investor in NVIDIA. And he doesn't know anything about gaming or esports, but he sat me down. He's like, "This thing is real, and you need to pay attention." Because, and I can show you from my bank account. Um, <laughs> he so really, my moment is what, what it was. DreamHack Atlanta. So I'll, I'll never forget the moment. I was coming down the escalator into the Georgia World Congress Center, and I'm looking at the bottom. Have you ever been down there? The Georgia World. Uh, yeah. So first of all, you picked a really good one by doing DreamHack. Oh yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, and so and and, and Justin Barthes is on his way up here. Um, he was one of my favorite humans. Let me talk about my favorite people. We're going at it on Twitter this morning over books and uh, podcasts, but he, I definitely want to get him on here. But um, anyway, it was that moment. I was coming down the escalator and I, I like felt it. There was, and coming from, and I was selling the Super Bowl at the time. I was yeah. moving down to Atlanta to sell the greatest event in the history of, of the planet, right? And I'm literally coming onto the floor of the Georgia World Congress Center. There's smiling, there's happiness, there's passion, there's all this energy. I'm like, I, I need to figure out what's going on down here because I want it and I want to be able to help. And then I went up to the panels and started meeting people in the community. And like, that was it. That day, I was like, this is the moment. So with that, you know, why don't you give your two cents on where we are from a conference standpoint, you know, and where we need, where we need to go. So like live events for me are is kind of a huge passion, something I've been part of. Like if I think of all of the live events that I went to in the gaming space that had uh, an impactful moment on my life, period, separate from work, I would say like PAX, for example. Um, 
PAX is, um, I find fascinating because I would go with a bunch of like super, super introverts. And this is so out of their comfort zone, but they want to be here. They want to be part of this shared experience. And so watching that, like, we're going to do this thing together. And then that shared experience and memories and they go to the panels and you, I watch a bunch of people who hate being in a scenario surrounded by people right. loving every second of it and they're back every year. So I love that from like a social experiment standpoint, right. but also like I have watched PAX develop into what it is today, which is massive. Sure. Like last year I went, um, well, I went to the PAX East and I was blown away even just by like- I've yet to go, I'm bummed. Yeah, like Facebook gaming had like glass enclosed VR booths and <laughs> Magic the Arena had like pyrotechnics happening <laughs> for Magic Arena. And I was just like, what is happening? Right. This. So that's what I want to see more. And I think that's the next step for this whole space in general is figuring out how to really maximize um, the live experience angle, right? From like, not just the esports tournaments, but those community events. Um, and like ESL one was incredible, which you went to, but like I've also been for the earlier stuff. So I know how far that's come yeah. to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, like the, they had the PlayStation, PlayStation Lounge and the whole AT&T setup was really, really uh, fantastic. But I want to take it one step further. I want to see like the parking lot next door to that center totally festivalized out with brand experiences that like bring the family together or even just like a group of friends, you know, and that's that's why they leave their house for this. And that's my whole that's what I want to spend my time doing. And I know that like you we were going back and forth on this a lot, right? Because I was I was selling sponsorships for the Super Bowl, right? So like I worked with iHeartMedia and Orange Theory to sell a sponsorship package for the Centennial Park down in Mercedes Benz. And that was a lot yeah. of money to be sold, but a really impactful engagement. And I'm with you. You know, those parking lots next to the park and you know, all that stuff, that needs to be a full I'm an Irish fan. Jurassic Park, if you know what I'm referring to, is like and that's a fascinating thing. And I think the Toronto Raptors are uh, I I use them all the time to explain esports or the whole franchise scenario, right? Because here is NBA that you right. everybody knows and recognizes, and they put it in Toronto and Vancouver. And I watched Toronto take about ten years to pull not just a whole city behind it, but a whole country. But then look what it is, right? For like every game, you have people who can't get in that still go line up in the freezing cold. I lived there for fifteen years. I know how cold it is and windy, and they're outside and they're part of that shared experience. If the Toronto Raptors call tomorrow and say we need a head of esports and gaming to run I would, I, I'm sorry, Phil, if you're listening. hundred uh, <laughs> percent. Hi, Phil. See you later. Also, I guess I'm back in Canada again. I oh, love it. Yeah, I um, help you, Phil, because like you know me, board, <laughs> and I would just do it for free. Big shock. Um, yeah. If uh, where do you think we are on saturation and? price. So a lot of events that I'm getting invited to, I think we, we at Roundhill are going to, up to EGLX this weekend, and but I get a lot of invitations. It's a lot of, you know, we want to give you a VIP invite that also costs a thousand dollars. It's hard being you. Oh, these three VIP invites. Every kid right now I'm like, screw you, Herb. I am such a VIP now. I need a thousand dollar VIP invites. You're pretty unimportant, so you get a lot of invites. It's nice, but no, continue. Ask me your questions. <laughs> my question is, where do you think we are? Like, there's a lot of these events coming up. I, I, sometimes I feel like that there's an excitement about esports. Everyone wants to learn about it. Some people might be coming at it from an unauthentic standpoint, where it's like, okay, this is a way to make you know a, a quick couple dollars, and then also the price is 
it's very expensive. Esports bars, it was an expensive event. And there's other, you know, TwitchCon, you know, TwitchCon's expensive. You know, it depends it, your purpose, right? Like if you're the fan, you're saving up for the thing and you pick okay. your thing very carefully. So for, um, I'll throw my husband under the bus. Uh, so he was a huge Dota fan mm -hmm. and also textbook introvert. Like one, he wants to go to the special event, but then he he knows what that really entails. Like he's going to go to Seattle. Uh, he's going to get the hotel. He's going to bring all his friends there. It's an investment and you pick your things very carefully. I would say as an industry from the fan side, we need to be better at picking up the phone since everybody knows everyone and maybe not booking three major events in one weekend. Uh, not to throw it again, like ESL, Overwatch. I didn't say it. I might have said it on Twitter. No, it's like we could have done better with planning on that because even though, yes, uh, there is some, if you're a fan of something doesn't mean you're a fan of all those things. Right. Like, some people still kind of want to tune in and check it out because it's a cool social experiment and it's still your, you know, your thing. From a conference standpoint, esports bar, I think it depends what your purpose is there. Mm -hmm. um, I know lots of people that got crazy value from sure. the esports bar at Miami. And I think they do a lot of things better than um, we're all just learning, right? right? Like each conference I go to, I think is improving. I remember sure. esports business summit last year was, I thought I made some of the best relationships that I have, like friendships that, have continued to carry on and become more important to me. But um, this year I learned things. Yeah. I thought people had better like one-on-one -on -one conversations. Miami Esports Bar offers an opportunity for you to directly talk to someone who could impact your career, wow, right? your business. Yeah, but the buy-in's really expensive. Sure. Um, so I think like moving forward, what I'd like to see from an event perspective there is figuring out how to maximize those one-on-ones right? Like, it's like speed dating. Sure. Like, it's really well for certain personality types, but I think I would have a better conversation in a bar with somebody at the esports bar. So it's like, do they need to be moved to a boat? Do they sure. need to be in like a special room? And like, what is, what's in it for them? Right. Um, there's a thing at esports conferences where um, people who are in more of the sales side of it feel like they have to run up to the stage directly after someone's done a check. So it's your sure. one chance to meet with someone. Um, and I think that we need to figure out how to address that, right? Like how can those people have those meaningful connections without feeling like you're kind of you know, so, <laughs> a celebrity? Well, the one, cause the one thing, I guess the one thing I, I, I see from my side, right? So being from being at now Roundhill investments and I, like I told you, people aren't even reading like what we actually do and they're just sending decks thinking that we invest. We don't invest, but I'm I'll happily direct and point in the right direction. But it's a capital hungry industry. There's a lot of young entrepreneurs, a lot of, you know, guys who are in that 22 to 28 range who are starting companies, starting teams. And I, I think about how impactful it would be for some of those guys to be able to get into that room and young entrepreneurs like that most likely can't front the bill for a trip to yeah. Miami. So I guess it, like, it, and, I'm, and this isn't a knock on esports bar or anything or but it's more of like, I wish there was a funnel or a side door that allows you to apply as a, you know, a young startup um, pre-revenue in like, I really need the relationships here. I'm willing to promote something like, I don't know, something like yeah, that. Should hunt. So I'm the kind of person that wants to help everybody who's doing and building that thing. And I don't yeah. want them to pay me because I know how strapped they are. So I try to give them my time and my value. And that's what I make the most of those experiences. So when I went to Berlin for this conference, like I did a panel and it was like the least thing I think I did that I was there. The most important thing I did was talk to those startup companies. 
And I felt like the content wasn't even driven for them. Like mm -hmm. the marketing panel that I was on was more talking like high-end partnerships. Sure. And I noticed that the entire crowd were those startups trying to create those spaces for them. They're trying to figure out how to get their amazing thing that they built out there for people to see. One of those things, uh, the people I met were Friday, for example. Um, Mark and Adam, I think, spent like one minute pitching their idea to me. I was like, I got it. This is amazing. I love everything that you're doing. How can I help you? Um, I would want to see those people figure out how to have their amplification. Like, how, how do you get someone like Friday directly in the face of where they need to be? ESI did a really great job. They did a pitch competition. Yeah. That was ESI. ESI was actually one of my favorites. ESI, I went to ESI New York. And that's where like my baseline of relationships first came from. That yeah, Sam does a really great education panel uh, group. Like the uh, ESI New York one was one of the best that I've been to for sure. Yeah, I met Magnus, and Magnus is like continues to be one of my favorite people ever. Um, but I met so many great people that weekend. I met Chad DeLuca and, and all these wonderful people. So that still will go down thus far as one of my favorite events in regards to like networking and building relationships but on, on all of that let, let's 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 move into what i want to hear you talk about okay. um, because i know it drives you so much but you know how support and passion can create i thought you wrote me that last night and i was like i want to hear because just hearing you talk at esl um you know you had so many great analogies of how you like to build and, and what i think what true business, and I'll give you what my definition of, of true business development is after this, but you know, the way you like to do your business is working with great people and you like to bring something to the table and then you like to step away and let something else deal with it, which is sure. very, very I, I like, I'm a builder, like I wanna build the thing, but right. I think all people in marketing are essentially sales, right? right? But I have, I still feel icky about the word sales, even though I don't think it's an icky thing. Um, but that association has been something that I have been growing and trying to be more comfortable yeah. with. Well, I have a different definition. So totally. talk, talk about your feelings on this, yeah. and then I'll tell you what my definition definition is. I would definitely want to hear So for me, uh, it's value giving. Like I love these conferences because I love to listen to people and figure out how I can help them. And it's usually not me that is going to be a solution for them, right? So I hear them and I'm like, do I need to connect you to somebody? Because if it's connecting to amazing humans that I know, like I am all about giving that to them. So for me, the value, I like, I don't have a conversation with somebody because there's something in it for me. Right. I put things out there in the world and I help people. And one day I hope that it comes back in a way that like we all are lifted up. Like it doesn't have to impact me directly, but if I connect you to a person that creates magic, like, right. I love that. Right. I had a weird, I'm still working on it where I, I want to create that for people, but I don't, I need to be more comfortable with the fact that it could impact me directly. Right. Um, but that it gives me joy. So I am generally lifted up if someone feels heard and mm -hmm. I'm able to create something for them, period. Right. whether it's a connection or I actually build the thing for them or I give them the feedback they actually want to hear with no BS. Sure. Uh, and that's something I definitely have done since I've been part of this conference circuit, which is for me, I'm exhausted by day three. As a people person, I get exhausted because when you're giving, you're just like constantly looking for how you can add impact and value. You're, you've lost your voice by day three if you're me. Sure. <laughs> you want to hide for a little bit and you come back and you want to do it all over again. So. That's the most important thing I think I've done in this space for the past little bit is um, figure out how to help people understand things, connect the dots, 
And then um, maybe one day we get to work together because I love working with good humans. But go. I want to hear your side of it. For everyone watching, that is what business development is, right? So I think that there is a stigma that you know business development is about is about sales and converting on a dollar. It's a dollar amount, right? Where I really see business development, and I learned this from a, a good friend of mine, Michael, um, who's out at um, what's the studio out in the West Coast? O N something. I'm completely forgetting. Um, forgetting what it is. I can't believe I'm blank on it. Doesn't matter. He told me, you know, business development for him is bringing growth opportunities that down the line could potentially provide monetary value. But uh, monetary value. So on the initial, just bringing some sort of growth opportunity, you know, something that allows you to expand your reach, whether it be marketing, whether it be just a relationship, whether it be just a conversation, where it just allows you to broaden your reach a little bit and provide value. You know, and I think I learned early on when I was in sales for the league, trying to sell really, really, really expensive Super Bowl tickets within a year. You know, and I, you know, it was buy, 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 buy. I need you to buy now because I need the commission dollars. I need you to buy. That's, that's that's how it goes, right? And I and I kind of I got that like I don't think I can do this. I don't I don't like to rush people that much. I'd much rather go back and forth, provide value, like, share, communicate on LinkedIn. I'm not going to badger anybody for anything. <laughs> so. No, 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 right? And like, but like, finally, you meet somebody who you've been talking to on LinkedIn for so long. You meet somebody at ESL one. And then you ne the next thing you know, you have a really kind of cool project you're working on that like shows up a couple of days later, not talking about anything in particular, cough, cough, us. But like, you know, this is, it's, I think what you do in providing value and not looking for anything in return and bringing different opportunities to different people solely because it drive, drives you is what the term business development is right there's no yeah. dollar in your mind there is the thrill of being able to provide growth in that person's personal or you know personal business or their company whatever have you but providing value to that person agreed like and also like i give free advice and i would straight up give someone in an hour conversation with whiskey like their strategy like their their go-to-market strategy. And I'm happy to do that. But I also know they're probably going to be super overwhelmed and follow up. And I'd still continue to give free advice as best I can. I don't think any of that is bad to do. And, you know, helping people is how I, I don't know, it fuels me, period. But if I put it out there, I meant to put it out there and you get to keep it. <laughs> I want I wanted you to see it and yeah, like, like exactly like donating God. Um, it's funny that you bring that up though. So when I was in um, like early again early uh, university days, like I also worked for a bank and I was apparently I, I hated working in a bank. Uh -huh. but I met great people and it was my job, of course, to sell Mastercards. Right, like that was your extra bonus that like you're supposed to get out there and convince people to do that. And I hated that; it made me really uncomfortable. But what I would do is if they would come in, I would be like. Okay, I don't care which card you use, but let me tell you how to use this card properly. And, you know, I teach students how to, you know, pay their credit card on time and the impact of how that could help them. And then uh, or to streamline, and get, you know, game the system because everything's a game. And I was like, I will teach you how to make the most money off of your bank doing this. And they bring their friends and family. In. And I was top MasterCard sales like in all of North America uh, for two quarters. Uh, and I don't think it had anything to do with sales. It had to do with just like helping people right? <laughs> like in a way that I do like cool you didn't have to switch cards but thank you 
it was fun. And I, I, I would not do it again. <laughs> the best thing you never want to do twice. Yeah. That's what I, that's it's what a little I less cool than Super Bowl stuff. So, but it was, I was young. So listen, that's what I refer to uh, the all guys boarding school that I went to. It was the best thing <laughs> I ever, ever want to do twice. Um, okay. So we've got some questions coming yeah. in. But while those are, I can't. I was here. You're going to get put on the spot. While those are flowing in, why don't you talk about just a quick couple sentences about where we are today in esports, what you're most excited about, whether it be you personally or for the industry as a whole. Talk about just to, while I start to get some, some questions. Yeah, um, oh my gosh. I don't know. I think that the attention that we have on this is really positive for once. I think the narrative has started to really shift that way. Sure. Um, that's exciting. Um, I think the family inclusion side helps the whole space. And that means like, yeah, I'm going to focus on things like Fortnite and Rocket League because I think they impact the space collectively. Um, and I, I mean, at the end of the day, it will filter down to the more traditional esports like, um, you know, Counter-Strike, Call of Duty. Um, Fortnite World Cup, like in regards to family inclusion, wow. Like I talked about it as one of my major takeaways. Uh, parents were screaming louder than the kids. Yeah. Like, it, was, it was totally cool. Yeah, and I, I mean, I felt like I was at a social experiment for Rocket League because it's parents going like, I get this, this game makes sense to me. <laughs> I can understand how to do this. And right. I also was like, oh, look at this empty concourse, which I understand why, because from it's a new thing. But right. I also could totally envision what that is next year. Right. Um, so, you know, like how do we have that, that festivalization brought in knowing that it's a bunch of families bringing their kids and they're there for eight hours. Right, yeah. like how can we make that and the next level? Um, that's what I'm again super jazzed about. Did you get your question? I did. So we've got people chiming in saying hello. Jacob, Absolutely. who's a good, uh, who's a big fan, who's is always. Been, I've been helping him a little bit. He's been helping me, honestly. Here's my mom. Hi, mom. Hi. Uh, is got, your dad here? What's that? Is your dad here? He's Sorry. Playing, he's, playing, he's, playing ball. he's playing golf today. Of course he is. He should have chimed in for the second one. He couldn't. He couldn't. He couldn't handle somebody. Somebody cooler than him coming on to LinkedIn Live a week later. Got it. Um, uh, Adam Fitch. I'm a huge fan of Adam. Uh, Questy Hafer uh, doing awesome things in Ghana says hello. Marshall, what's up, brother? Hope all is well. Adam C. Nelson, my man from Philly Esports. So great to have you here. Um, Steve, thanks for chiming in. Nick Hayden, love Nick Hayden. Going to work on some cool stuff with him. There's a, there's a question. Okay. Denise Welsh, she's the CEO of Coachella Esports. Thanks so much for chiming in, Denise. How can I get a community educated about esports? What kind of community do you have? That's a hard one. Um, I, mean, I guess go off the, like, the, the, maybe the Coachella uh, community. Okay. That's probably what she means. I think, like, one, again, it, it depends, right? So when I build plans like a strategy a marketing strategy i don't just look at something like a twitch channel i look at like the whole community and wherever we're in that space so whether it's like reddit forums university forums right music forums wherever this is finding out like one what they're talking about how we can have a conversation that maybe inserts the topic that you want into that space so knowing where they exist is a really good starting point i don't think it's i actually started to look a little more deeply into facebook gaming community because I'm trying to understand it. And I think like those are small but impactful spaces with communities that are really hardcore and knit. Like I, I uh, Mixer, same thing, right? right. 
um, spreading that out, figuring out really where you're going to make an impact and like aligning that with specifically your brand. I don't think you know until you do the research and you kind of figure out what's the right fit for you. And that's a really hard question without it being super specific. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, tell me the thing and then I'll tell you where you probably should well, be. Well, that coming from where I'm just going to assume that it might be maybe that, like it's that, uh, that Coachella community. And like one thing I'd say is you've got two really good examples of how we've learned it from the music festival community, right? We saw um, Lollapalooza bring Ninja into town and, and build a house for him and, and integrate gaming up. And Imagine Fest just did it down in Atlanta, which was, was pretty cool. But then um, what was the uh, Metarama, right? Like, I, I think it's, I, I'd actually love your thoughts on, on Metarama. I think it was before it's time. You get me in I trouble. Um, so, uh, <laughs> I think they were very, I, I don't know if you, I saw a panel with them recently, like when they were talking about like the loss, like why they think it kind of came crumbling down. And I think it also came down to, you have a bunch of people really excited about the thing, but who's paying for the thing? If it's, if it's mom, right? Did you enroll mom to do that? And this is also where I'm talking about in general for any kind of marketing strategy, like Wombo, for example, like you want that family engagement. And um, dad and his son might really want to go to the thing. But Susan knows the schedule. Susan's like, we got soccer practice and dance and homework and chores. And I'm like, I don't know if we're doing that. You have to enroll everybody for something like that. I don't know if we're going to Vegas. Marshall, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's good. I think you're making a lot of decisions there for me. So I love yeah. I think that's part of it, right? Like getting that awareness out. And also, what was the, what was the takeaway for Susan? Like, is there something like she knows that that's a really important thing for her son and like how much leeway to the time do they have for that. Um, I think the ramp up was really cool, but it had more of like, we're making it look cool and not talking about yeah. actually fitting the bill. You know, I see, I see it as PSP of like events, right? I think mm -hmm. it's before the time. I think it needs to figure out how to make, make it accessible that, you know, the event can still happen, but Susan can still give access to her son who has to watch from home where, you know, we've seen it live in Fortnite, you know, I think there's a, there's a cooler integration there, so it's there. But again, I think Metarama was, I don't I'm not going to get in trouble. I'm just saying like, I, I think families in general, we have a bunch of things that we want to go do. And then by Saturday comes around, we're like, we can't do the thing. It's right. just, <laughs> their planning has to be involved, obviously, and enrollment of everybody. Um, alrighty, so Zane, who is my buddy from Team Gary V, says Christy is the best. So oh. that's, uh, we can all agree. You're the best. Uh, <laughs> um, Mark, diving into the question here, what do you think are going to be the most influential uh, technologies coming to esports? Like, what's going to be the esports like in 2025 and 2035? Oh, I'm real biased here. Voice assistant? <laughs> oh, yeah. Not to plug Friday, but also love what they're doing. They sold me on their plan because I just see like the longer game here. Like what they have to do is basically train Friday to learn, you know, parts of the game or what streamers perhaps want or what gamers want from this kind of voice um, voice assistant service. But and it's going to it's going to take a while to get there. But I see like the long integration of what they could do. So, for example, um, rather than me spending time on Wikipedia or watching some YouTube streamer to figure out how to be better at this game or to unlock a puzzle that I get to just straight up ask Friday or like, like, like I would Alexa for those information and like wow. a developer is feeding wow. all of that information into that and then I know it and it's saving Weird. me time and I'm on target. 
Like I don't yeah. have, yeah, that's it. So like I won that and then I'd say obviously VR stuff because I got obsessed with that recently. You should so we can have like, there, like if there's an application where you can build your own voice and your own advice, like, yeah. hey, you know, hey, Christy, what do, what do I do? How do I build this partnership? Yeah. We'll have you on the top. I would not want to voice that. I would need somebody. It would, no, I totally would. No, it would, it would be a really creepy robot voice from like, and scare me actually taking action. So. This is a targeted question to you, but I think it'll be good for the community that typically chimes in here. Um, the question is, how did Christy transition from banking to the esports industry? And I don't think that that is the question. No, that was forever yeah. ago. That was like, you know, sometimes you have to take jobs you don't want to do to pay bills. I worked at a bank when I was in school. Um, I, I played Counter-Strike like obsessively um, because EverQuest was not available at the time. So I went into in detail, but I was also a huge EVE Online person. Um, that was like a game changer for me. I was always an MMO person. And I upset a lot of Blizzard fans because I waited five years for World of Warcraft, but I was a high-end game player. Like I, I would beat the game before anybody else did. I had Grace disease and couldn't sleep. And I would just have eight level characters before anyone else had really like finished leveling their first. So World of Warcraft didn't finish their game fast enough. And I like was like, I'm out of here. So I was in the secret world and um, age of Conan of all things. Um, but I was like, I had seriously eight level 80 characters in age of Conan and play that game more than anybody should. But um, secret world is actually a really one to bring a good one to bring up. Cause it reminds me so much of Fortnite, like this mm-hmm. that game that nobody. Sure. Heard about. Um, so the whole blackout scenario that happened, I think is genius and super fun and risky. Amazing. Right. I also would have 100 percent declared it Fortnite holiday for my children if they were old enough, because I know what it's like to not have the thing that you're dying to play and itching for for two days and then be like, also, go to school today, children. Get on the bus. You're not going to think about nothing but Fortnite and be checking your phone every two seconds. I'm sure it's a very productive day. I would just let them have their fun for one day and then immediately resume homework following. But secret so, world, in a world where social media was what it's today, I think Funcom would have knocked it out of the park because they did these crazy ARG events that were just for like the 1% top gamer that like enrolled them to get really excited about what was coming out. You'd have to like use Google to solve it, like translator puzzles. It was amazing. It was like a marketing strategy. I was obsessed. I was, I was obsessed with secret world. And it, of course, nobody probably other than me thinks that. But so, so to answer the question, Sorry, yeah. You did answer the question is, banking was just a step. It was the thing that I did. And it was the thing that I did. I think it's an important lesson because I realized that sales is more where you wanted to go. Yeah. Bingo. There's your answer, which is, you know, I knew my answer. Jeremy Poor, diving into the question. I'm a huge Jeremy Poor fan, in case anybody's wondering. He knows that. Uh, thoughts on how does the, in, uh, the esports industry improve brand safety for potential partners? Example, first-person shooters have a huge negative rep today. News, media, high-profile brands. Inter- I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on, on that on that topic as well. Brand protection in a first-person shooter? Well, I think there's different ways to look at it. First of all, I don't think it's as bad as it used to be. I think that it's gotten a lot better. People are definitely more comfortable with it. I mean, there's always the red blood issue. Um, but it's like you could do events like ESL is a great way to look at that, right? Like your involvement is more on the community event side aspect of it 
and sponsoring that rather than like specifically a streamer, right? Sure. right? Yeah. I, I think there's different angles to look about how you could be involved in that without it being directly something that you're showcasing what the game actually involves, you know, like whether it's the strategy and team behind of it. Like if you think about what SAP does with um, Dota, it's more the behind the scenes of what the sure. production is. Right. Like create content about the production of the thing rather than the cool. thing itself. And, and I think that's also like where these venue spaces are going to be so great, right? You know, as as your nerd streets get built out and your accesses and and things like that, these venues are providing a unique opportunity for brands to come in and not get a, a single lane exposure. So I think you know Jeremy's the director of partnerships for uh, the Atlanta Rain, Atlanta Call of Duty, and and those are are both um, they're both shooting games, and so brands have a tough time integrating. But let's say you know. Atlanta Esports Ventures was to build out a venue in Atlanta, Georgia, and they were to get the venue sponsored. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work. I think it's even the story, right? Like, it could be more like the partnership is more about the story of what this team takes to be as good as what they are about something, or it could be behind the scenes side of it. The fact that, like, kids today, like, I went to school not knowing that I could work in this industry from this perspective. I thought I had to be a graphic designer, right? Or (laughs) a programmer. And I didn't know like marketing was a thing. Like now there's all the other jobs that are on that side of it. I think that's a really cool story that like Pepsi could tell or, you sure. know, <laughs> like whoever's entering the space could be part of that. That's their connection and that's their partnership relationship with the team like Landry. No doubt about it. Um, okay, so we've got a question here from Marshall. Marshall, good friend from Atlanta. Coming from outside of, the, uh, outside of esports, I'm finding it hard to match my qualifications with endemic needs and finding myself getting passed over or ignored for jobs I'm qualified for. How do you com- uh, combat those, these oversights and leverage relationships into legitimate job opportunities? Interesting. Okay. Um, hmm. Well, I'll take it. I can't get into specifics of it, but I'll, I'll tell you very vaguely a thing that I would do uh, for anyone who's trying to get some leverage, perhaps through LinkedIn. Um, I wanted a particular client for a former company of mine. So what I did is I found like the decision makers, like six in LA and six in Berlin. And I took three days to create content that I knew would get their attention directly. Um, it was a video that I created. Um, I grabbed, I put the whole thing together that was perfectly custom built for them. It definitely got the attention that you would want to get on that scenario. So I would say like, figure out how you can make an impact or relationship that will like leave a lasting impression and creating those conversations and opportunities will get you noticed. Um, sure. It definitely would, I would follow up with you. <laughs> so, and I love that stuff. I think that like you have to get creative about getting noticed. It's um, even at these conferences, right? Like there's a bunch of people wanting attention and I think it's fair to assume that like people are drained by the end of it. So make yeah. yourself really memorable. Well, I, I think, and I just go back to, as you know, my addiction to LinkedIn, I went to, I went to, Dreamhack, and I found a gap, uh, and it was that there was a lot, you know, back when I first started the eSports hashtag on LinkedIn, there's, I don't know, there's like 2,000 people following it, and now it's up to like 7,000, but there wasn't a post that came out on the eSports hashtag on LinkedIn that I didn't either like or comment on it, like, to the point where everyone knew, like, okay, who's this kid? You're you're amazing on LinkedIn, but you're successful because you're a good human. Right. Like everything you put out is super genuine and awesome and you connect with people authentically. And that's why I was like, when I first saw a thing you did, I'm like, he 
he's my kind of people. I want to get to know him. So <laughs> and that's, before we get into the speed round, I think that's a good way to close it, right? You know, that um, I have learned to respect this industry in, in the, the greatest way. There has been something built here that has not had the, the mainstream media attention for a very long time, and now it does. And so there's the element of coming from the NFL, from the MLB, from banking, from wherever you want to get a part of this industry that can seem non-authentic, and it can seem like I'm just in this because you know I'm, I'm ready to make a quick dollar, and it's like Bitcoin, it's a craze, and it's like, you know, that, that can be sniffed out easily, right? And I'll never forget when Chad DeLuca told me that esports is not spelled, you know, with a capital E, you know? And, and he's right. It is super important. And Chad would do that. And that's awesome, Chad. Uh, but also we need to relax and realize that also when people are trying to do this properly, they're Googling sure. it and then they're finding it online that it's supposed to be the letter S. So we need to just like simmer it down and be super respectful of the fact that we should correct people a hundred percent. But there is a total level of respect that I have. I'm like, listen, yeah. like, I, I and I can feel it too. It's like if there's no need for for, for me coming in, like no worries, no problem. I wish y'all the best. I'm here to support any way I can. Let me know, and you know I'm gonna go talk to Christy and cry first. Yeah. Oh, I would also say uh, back. To, I'm thinking of another way for people trying to figure out how to fit in this space, right? Like carefully. I also think um, for first person shooters, uh, the charity angle is really strong. Like as far as like figuring out how to get involved, they're just tiptoeing in. And I mean, there's so many amazing charities in this space for gamers that they should consider. I'm obviously tied to Gamers Outreach, which I think are incredible charitable organization, but those are great entry points as well as you're trying to figure out how your brand fits into this space, right? And like, if this is a community you wanna impact, good place to start. All right, I'm trying to decide here. We're at, yeah. we got a couple more questions coming in. Um, We'll get we'll get to a couple more because because I, I want to do maybe we'll do one more um, because my boy Branson and I'm a huge fan of Brand what he's working on in Arkansas. Um, I'm from Arkansas, you know this, right? I <laughs> live in Georgia and also Arkansas, so crazy. I that. did not know this, Brand. There you go. There you go. Um, so Brand's working on there, just dominating his local community. Uh, our local high schools and colleges are trying to start teams. It seems all over the. Uh, it seems all over the place. Do you see? Sorry, seems all over the place. Do you see this becoming more organized? Will the NCAA, Sun Belt Conference, etc., uh, that comes in to organize or private ventures like Play versus? I, I think this is the overall college conference. You know, question. Sure. I do think it will get more organized, but I think it's always going to be fundamentally different than sports because it's oh. just like the age. Of so what it actually winds up looking like, I'm not sure. sure. Um, I mean, you can look at EGF and what they're doing from the amateur league. Is it's just changing. Um, who knows what it looks like in five years from now, but I'm excited about it. So totally. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm trying to help the University of Mississippi too. And like, I, I went and reached out to them. I just thought learning more about the space is this, is the SEC something you guys need? You know, kind of introduction, something like that. So, you know, we play so many schools outside of the SEC. We would hate to really limit ourselves. And I think that, you know, the University of Mississippi and the LSU of the world want to play against top talent like Robert Morris or Akron or UCI, right? That's not, and that doesn't come down to regionalizing or putting anyone into a division. I think like what Wim Stocks is working on is, yeah. you know, the Star League is a really good uh, position. 
but I, I think the NCAA actually slows a little bit. It's a little bit of like a, a lot of red tape um, that might slow where we could be in, you know, four to five years. Yeah, I think it's one of the harder things to map out currently. So I don't really have too much to say about it because it's like, let's see what happens. Too many different players in it currently. I got Nerd Street continuously blowing up my phone with everything they're doing. <laughs> um, okay, one last question from Devin because she'll kill me if I don't ask it. Okay. Um, Christy, what are your thoughts on apparel in the esports space? Do you think these companies that consider themselves uh, grassroots gamers, H4X, mainframe, ATO, do you think these companies are going to be able to keep their ground when potentially Nikes and uh, Nike and Adidas comes knocking? I obviously root for the little guys um, in general, so I hope so. I think mm -hmm. if they continue to do things that are surprising and unique and are able to pull that kind of, you know, pull people away from major brands that might be slower to pivot, then yes. But I think mm -hmm. it's like constantly surprising people and staying with the core group, right? Like if Puma comes across as not being the greatest integration, which they did a really great job, by the way, with Cloud9. So like, you know, it competition is steep, but I hope yeah. so. Um, yeah. I think it's gonna, it's gonna probably be fairly heavy on the cost side of it for that. And they need to be more intrinsically involved in those spaces. Like I know that a lot of those guys do really well, like Meta Threads, for example, like will sell out of everything at PAX. So I sure. mean, they're making an impact and they're growing. And I think they're growing yeah. really smart. So fingers crossed. I'm with you, like pulling for the little guy. Um, you know, it uh, like I'm a huge fan of the guys from Hacks, uh, and and um, I had the chance to meet them at ESL. And, um, I don't know, I just I just get work. You know, I think about like a Converse or something like that, or, or something that's just been bought, right? It's a, yeah. so. Anyway, I'm with you. I, I think um, it's going to be about. Uh, I don't know. But, <laughs> For a non-gaming thing, like think of Toms, right? Like I didn't know right. what to Toms was not anything. And now I have like eight pairs of Toms. And now they make Star Wars Toms. And I'm like, man. So I think as long as they continue to grow, continue to do something that's like changing the space as they continue to figure out how they fit, like that could be really cool. Like that's, I think pivoting is the biggest thing that they can do that a big brand right. is going to take a lot longer to do, right? Yep. There's 90 people on an email chain to make a thing happen. It's going to be really slow. So like always yeah. ahead of the curve. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, okay, let's uh, let's keep uh, let's let's shut it down. We'll slow it down with our speed round. Oh God. Um, to all the guys who are, are chiming in here, saying hello, Miles, Ken, um, Jackie from Australia. Gosh, it must be late. <laughs> uh, thanks so much, Brett. Thanks uh, for chiming in, Brand. Thanks so much. Marshall, um, I'm going to be down in Atlanta for DreamHack. Are you going to be down in Atlanta for DreamHack? Well. Yeah, high five. Yeah. Um, okay. I support my friend Justin. All right. We're diving in. Speed. Any character in any game of all time. Oh, pardon. Sorry. You cut out. It, like, immediately went. Any character any game of all time, who would you be? Fictional. <sighs> well, first of all, like, no bullshit. Uh, my bear shaman in Age of Conan because she would like in a finale thing like rip off a head and throw it away without looking which I thought was pretty awesome and I would like to have that kind of power move without hurting people on a daily basis I think that is she was awesome she also had really cool outfits um, what do your kids play and do you wish they were playing something else 
they're really young. And yes, 100%. If I if Paw Patrol didn't exist tomorrow, my life would be so much better in any Paw Patrol based game. Um, so I hope that my kids want to be big gamers, but I think it's also important to like introduce all the balanced things. I think like one, my daughter, for example, I was like Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Trek. And then she's putting on like ruffly skirts. So now I'm letting her do the whole like rainbow, but then also Star Trek, um, or Star Wars shoes, like whatever it is, balance. So fingers crossed. I don't wind up with a prom queen. Who's a better CSGO player? You or your husband? Me. No question. <laughs> um, all right, you had a hell of a week. It's a Friday type whiskey drink. What is it? Oh, I'm a Negroni person. Love it. Yeah, always. All First right. drink of the night, Negroni. Last question. Imagine you're the head coach of a football team and you have one of the best running backs in the world and you're playing in the Super Bowl and you're one yard line off of the game winning touchdown. Do you hand that football off to the best running back in the league? Or do you mean question. You're mean. 100% I would hand it off. How dare you bring up the most painful experience? I'm just saying, I, I told you the friendship was going to end. On Lynch and you don't just give him the ball? Ah, I have no beef with Russell, but I have beef with our offensive coaches. So that that day. Anyways, we're still great team. You're married, life is, you're still married, life's still good. It's uh, you know, like, uh, 17, yeah. 17 touchdowns, no interceptions for Russell. I would Wilson. prefer not to live in Patriots country, but that would, you know, that would be all right. But. My, uh, my backup safety, my backup safety and my starting cornerback are both still out. So I am horrified. <laughs> well, I think Wombo Sports, I mean, if I do anything for them on top of marketing stuff, it would be along the lines of like, could you get more Seattle people on? <laughs> there it is. I mean, okay. seriously. You, yeah. Bob, Aaron, you, you've heard it here first. Well, yeah. <laughs> you are an absolute rock star. We, no. we pushed an hour. I think you you maxed out. I think you topped Big Herb on... Uh, yeah, I I'm so sorry. Yeah. You, you crossed it. We, yeah, we, we, I knew we were going to do it. But this is me hitting the buzzer uh, to get people the rest of their morning back. But thank you so much for coming on. Love talking to you. Thank and you. 